0: On this episode of AV Week, the future of online AV education. How we can use AV in the wild to promote the industry. And taking a look at DEI and environmental concerns in AV. All that and more, next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is A.V. Week, episode 568, recorded Friday, July 8th, 2022. Them's the breaks.
2: Support for A.V. Nation is brought to you by BAM.
0: This is A.V. Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Brandy Alvarado-Miranda from BAM Marketing and PR. Welcome, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Also with us is Mr. Brock McGinnis uh, from Up Canada Way, which apparently they're having internet issues in parts of Canada. So welcome, sir. Great to be here, Tim, as always. And thank you for doing whatever magic you did to to, to turn on the internet in your part of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, a young lady that I've not had on this program, but I have interviewed her uh, before, Jennifer Goodyear. Uh, Jennifer is from RT Sales, uh, currently uh, down around Atlanta Way. Welcome, ma'am.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we talked to Jennifer last time uh, about the initiative that her and our, our good friend, uh, Erica uh, Carroll, was doing uh, as far as the, uh, the Rosie Riveter campaign uh, for uh, the of Women's Council uh, around Infocom. So that's where you, where you may have seen or heard her. So uh, welcome, welcome to you to AV Week. Fantastic initiative. Absolutely, it was it was a really good initiative you guys did, and, and, and raised over thirty thousand dollars. Yeah,
1: we our goal was thirty thousand, and we're now well over thirty one thousand, so we did it.
0: And so, really, so, so you you meet that? It, can people still give?
1: We are actually going to start a new. We're going to start a new round, so you can always still give because it'll okay. go towards more STEM kits. But we are going to be starting a new round with a new goal, and that will all be announced soon. And maybe you'll be one of the first to know, Tim. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, so first uh, story comes to us from our friends over at Avian Network. Um, the uh, Veritiv, which is uh, uh, a, uh, a DEI and, and, and safety company, they, they're they looking at, uh, I'm sorry, they're not a DEI a safety company. They released a DEI and uh, social governance uh, document. Um, what it looks at, though, is it looks at how Veritiv is able to navigate both the economic impact uh, as well as the intervi- environmental impact uh, from what they do. In addition to that, they're also looking at the health and ins- employee health and safety, and diversity, inc- equity, and inclusion, which is which is what the DEI stands for. I'm, I'm still stuck on on Bradford Ben's rule that I have to spell out every acronym. So DEI is diversity, equity, uh, and inclusion. From the CEO. Uh, Rob Johnson quote unquote, we all know how critical connectivity is to our daily lives and the global economy. The world's appetite for data continues to rise and our solutions keep data systems on and connected. At the same time, though, we recognize the current and potential impacts of climate change. Uh, Brandy, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, When it comes to what I'll call green initiatives or DEI initiatives, and, and I understand that there are two different. Lines here, and so you take whichever one you want. Where in the AV community do we care about the green part? Um, And and I asked that question because a very talented woman about 10 years ago uh, started a a podcast called Green AV um, over on Rave, uh, Rave Publications, and, and and, and she didn't get very much traction. She did for about a year, but that was it, right? But now, companies like organizations like Avixa have made tremendous pushes when it comes to DEI, made tremendous pushes when it comes to uh, inclusion. So is it that we care more about DEI and not so much about the environmental impact or or what what does this mean?
2: Well, I'll be on the fence on that one a little bit because I think they're both equally important, right? Uh, Obviously the women's council initiatives and and DEI kind of go hand in hand. Uh, Diversity is an issue that we've been seeing for many, many years. Have we moved the needle? Probably a bit. Yeah. But we still have work to do in that respect in terms of green initiatives. I mean, I think we all have to do our part. We all have to, to think about this and consider it for our future and for the future of our our kids. Right. And, and for future generations of that. And I think, you know, Avix has done a really, really great job, not only with, you know, starting uh, councils, the Diversity Council, Women's Council and other councils to kind of work on DEI. But also, you know, they've just started a big sustainability uh, initiative within, um, you know, within the organization to connect people to start working on green initiatives and sustainability issues and things like that. I think there's a lot of manufacturers out there. I mean, just recently we were at Epson, for instance, in their new headquarters, which is based in Los Alamitos, California, kind of a LA proper, if you will, and I really enjoyed that for a number of reasons. But one of the things that I noticed almost immediately is their lobby, not only tells their company story, their beginnings, you know, and where they're based out of and, and all those things and showcases and highlights their products, but on one wall and specific in their new headquarters, it had a very detailed description of how they're going to get to, you know, uh, a, I guess it's a, a sustainability, uh, you know, statement really yeah. when it, when it comes down to it, how they're going to get to, you know, zero carbon and how they're getting to, you know, this area and, and by what year and these goals and, and where they're at. And I thought, you know, to myself, that's really a great thing to put in your, you know, in your building, but front and center, right? Cause people should be concerned about that type of, uh, of, of initiative and, and, uh, and do our part to, to get there. Um, but I mean, back to your question, why is it important? Um, you know, having a DEI policy in your company shows that you're not just um, looking for folks that are a, a fit, right, for your, for your company. Uh, we hear that. Oh, she was a great fit. That's why we hired her, right? Or he was a great company fit. He fit with the company culture. You know, somebody recently said, you know, instead of thinking about it as a cultural fit uh, for your company, we should think of it as a cultural ad. And I really, really liked that phraseology. We should think about, um, you know, hiring people that are adding to our value, adding to our company culture, not just being a fit, quote unquote. Yeah. So.
0: To, to add to that really quickly, and Brock, I'll, I'll pick on you here in a second. As somebody who, who does lead a team now, a bigger team than I did a couple years ago, a hundred percent agree with that because you, you I, I want people on my team that don't, think like me, look like me, act like me. You know, that, that's, that is one of those things that you actively seek out other, other points of view. Um, Brock's kind of question is, whether it's the DEI or it's the, the Green Initiatives, where in the industry is this, is this important or where should it be important?
3: DEI is a no-brainer. Uh, and
0: it's, uh, you know, it's certainly,
3: um, as a Canadian, I can say it's been a greater part of our DNA uh, for a long time. Uh, just, um, uh, we're we're very multicultural. Uh, you know, the office where I'm working is very multicultural, multi-faith. Um, and uh, uh, and um, to Brandy's point, I mean, if you're hiring for fit, um, you're actually creating a homogenous environment. And, uh, and that's not good for any of us. And I think that's what plagued uh, the AV industry for so long. And uh, somebody <clears throat> on on my side of the microphone may have been saying that for more than a decade uh, in response to the, the calls to hire for fit. Um, ESG initiatives, um, I, I have a real challenge with as as small companies and as individuals, because uh, so much of the climate change impact is macro. Uh, it's not micro. Um, the uh, uh, and you know, I, I think uh, I read the article that you provided to us and, and I think a lot of it is, is really just you know, trying to pat yourself on the back and say, we're trying hard. Um, when companies start fly, stop flying people all over the country for meetings, um, you know, I'll, I'll look at that and I've, I certainly know individuals who've decided that they're not going to fly uh, they're going to more localize rather than globalize. Um, but, uh, because, uh, flying is, is one of the biggest, um, optional or variable contributors, uh, to climate change in North America for sure. Uh, so, but, uh, but I'm really challenged. I know that we, you know, we re- recycle stuff at the office. Um, we, uh, uh only use, uh, Energy Star compliant. Uh, equipment, but this has been for years and years, you know, we, we made the, uh, made the transition to uh, Rojas, uh stuff to, you know, uh, materials that don't off gas. Um, I was involved with uh, lead buildings from the very beginning of that. And it's great and, uh, and it is a step in the right direction, but it's such a tiny step uh, compared to say,
0: making your electricity with coal. Uh, there, there. I, I, no, I mean, and, and that's one of the things that, that you know, at least us in the states, and we can get into a conversation about nuclear power versus solar energy versus wind. At least down here, uh, it's a whole different conversation. Um, Jennifer, uh, last question. You know, you'll you'll have the last one on this. You know, what does it look like for the industry to start taking? DEI and, and you know other issues more seriously.
1: It's only going to be better for the future for all of us. Like Brandy said, we have our children and the future to look forward to, and we need to leave the world better for them. And then as far as diversity and inclusion goes, this industry is just going to turn itself into one giant echo chamber if we don't start including people that think differently than us and you'll just be going around in one giant circle instead of moving forward if we don't have people that have a new perspective and i think that uh brock is absolutely right that it's not a micro it's a macro uh issue and you can see that that microsoft actually had the top esg score in 2021 So that kind of shows, hey, we're this massive company and we're doing everything we can. Yeah, it's kind of a pat on the back, but it's also a good example for all the other companies out there to go, if they can do it at the level they are, we should be doing it as well.
0: All right. Our next uh, story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. And the the title here got me, guys, to be honest about This is why I grabbed it. For the first time ever, the Hollywood sign was projection mapped now it took me a second now i understand i'm a big dumb american and i'm a big dumb american from the middle of america right i am flyover country so growing up i assumed that the hollywood sign was lit up all the time right it's like it's in in movies or in in my head and brandy's sitting here shaking (laughs) her head because she knows because she lives in that you know in the in the area and um I, a couple of years ago, I, my wife and I went out and, and just kind of spent a long weekend in, in the SoCal LA area. And I called up a buddy of mine because we were Brandy um, the, the the Observatory. it's the Griffith Observatory. Yeah, thank you, the Griffith Observatory. We're driving up there, and I'm like the the, the Hollywood sign is somewhere, and it's yeah. at night, and I'm like I can't see it, and it's it's not <laughs> lit up. So I, mm-hmm. I call a buddy of mine who who, who lives in Long Beach, and I'm say, I said when did they stop. He said, "When did they start, dummy? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> they never did light it up. Mm-hmm. But this time they projection mapped it. It was for the BET Awards. Um, they used uh, footage from uh, some, from some previous BET Awards. Uh, Barco was the projectors that they used. Gorgeous, gorgeous footage of this, um, Brock. I'll start with you on this, it, and and not for nothing, but Brock has been involved in in well, discos at one point in his career." But also some, some you know, getting getting AV kind of out into the real world and really you know how does stuff like this help evangelize what we do, regard whether that's recruiting right? So we go to, I don't know, the USC Film School right, and say you can, you could be part of, you know, being a part of history here, projection mapping on on the Hollywood Sign for the first time, or when you're talking to your clients right, and and Brock has also been a part of a number of, of rather famous uh, ice projections uh, in the NHL. So how, how, do you, how do you use something like this that they can see in the real world to, you know, to kind of sell what we do? Um, it is
3: so nice uh, to be able to be involved in projects that have wow associated with them. You can do a thousand Zoom rooms in little meeting rooms and people are just like, oh, it's a TV and it's a camera and I have one of those on my desk um but uh you know i um i've been involved with outdoor spectacle uh outdoor architectural lighting uh projection mapping uh, for first projection mapping has got to be 15 or 16 years ago now and uh, and people go wow and it promotes um uh it uh it it opens people up to the power of of what's possible the stuff that we've done—we uh, we did projection mapping on the Canadian Parliament buildings—and uh, to take my kid and sit on the lawn and watch a story of Canada's history told uh, as it marches across—and this is this is huge, right? This is a, a huge thing. There's there's mm-hmm. a wow to that. In fact, anything we can do that our kids can look at and say. Yep, we do AV, and I I, I think uh, some of the building lighting that uh, that we've done, uh, tower lighting uh, over time, it's um, uh, spec- spectacle events make a difference. And I understand I wasn't privileged to be at ISe this year, but I understand uh, the uh, Sagrada Familia now looks uh, amazing at night. That projection it was lit when I was there, but the projection mapping wasn't on it. Um, and that ISC has made a commitment to bring other outdoor spectacle events uh, uh, to in, in Barcelona to future fairs. I, um, yes, that's that's what captures people's imagination and makes it larger than life. It doesn't matter what the brands are. Um, a lot of projection mapping is, is actually very ho-hum. Um, the, uh, it was the early 90s. Uh, we took a projector outside, actually a couple of projectors, because they weren't that powerful then, and played video games on the side of a building um, as a guerrilla marketing uh, thing for a client, and uh, and crowds gathered and children cheered, um, and, you know, and it was like Mario Kart or something, you know, pretty basic. So
0: yeah, go for it. Hey, really, really quickly, just for clarification, the the, the Sagrada Familia was not projection mapped this year. Uh, it was another Gaudi, uh building. Um, that well, that would be the Latin, the Latin quarter. So the 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 basilica was not. Um, I think it is lit up, but it's not. It's not. There was no projection map, but it is lit up. You could see it, uh, kind of from where the area where the where the ISE um, the the uh, Fiera was. You can't see the Sagrada from the, where the uh, uh, Jennifer. Same question. Uh, how do you how do you take stuff like this and talk to your clients or even talk to, you know, as Brock said, talk to your kids and say, this is what we do. This is, this is the, this is why this isn't industry is so exciting.
1: Well, yeah, I think that something our industry could do better is industry awareness as far as recruiting people to our industry and having a wow factor with something like that. It will get kids and younger generations. And I think even artists now will look at AV as a new medium and they'll be interested, and I think they should be glorified as artists because it it's art. It's just a different medium. And for example, the Rosie Riveters Initiative, we're creating a pamphlet that these girls will see that describe different jobs in AV. And we we are we're using a lot of the Wow jobs. You can do uh, virtual production. You could we're doing things like the projection mapping we're showing them the stuff that is the wow factor stuff so that they want to be in our industry and see
2: how fun it is i was going to say i think you know avixa did a a really interesting video a couple years back and it didn't get very much play Uh, i think it's got like 500 views the last time i looked at it on youtube and if you look it up it's avixa sizzle and really what it does is it takes all these different areas of of AV, whether it be sound, video, projection mapping, live events, you know, all this kind of stuff, and it puts it into this really cool sizzle video that could definitely be used as a as a pathway to get people excited about our industry in different facets of our industry. I think you know that that's one way. Definitely, we we have to do more uh, outreach to get uh, you know a younger generation excited about AV because let's face it, we all fell into it. I know i did i know brock probably did i know jennifer definitely did your family's been in it for you know a long time brock i know i've heard your story too i mean we all we all fell into this industry we didn't have an av 101 we didn't go to college for what we do maybe some parts of it particularly but um you know we all fell into it you know from the projection mapping side i'm a huge nerd i love that kind of stuff i mean any day every day the more i can see this kind of really wow spectacular kind of thing and you know i'm all i'm for it i've got a couple clients that specialize in this and uh, one of them just you know hit a, a guinness book of world records for you know projection mapping so that is extremely exciting um can we see it in our everyday stuff absolutely i would love to go to a restaurant and have you know the menu projected on my table or you know what what my choices are you know uh, visually in front of me, uh, you know, projected and, and, you know, let me pick that. I don't know, it's just silly stuff, but you know, we can absolutely see this, uh, in play in different aspects of our, of our everyday.
0: So, so Brandy, I have to ask which client and what Guinness record did they, did they
2: get, <laughs> if I tell you, gotta kill me. No, I'm
0: just joking. And, that's, and that, that's a fine answer. You know, that, there are days no. I may, I may take you up on that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: just uh, look at my clients. They're Lemon and Forge. They do amazing work, and, and uh, they're uh, they're based in uh, Las Vegas, and they've just done some really incredible stuff. I mean, one of the things that I think is really kind of fun too. I mean, this is just goofy, but and and you know, but it's definitely something that you know people might consider. But they recently did a wedding where uh, the whole wedding was in a dome that was projected. Think of the cost savings. You don't have to do decor. It's projected. <laughs>
3: you know? Well, just... there's there a relatively new venue in in Las Vegas uh, called Area Fifteen um, that is actually a yes. you know a a blank canvas facility uh, that was designed to be you um, mm-hmm. uh, you you create whatever kind of environment you want uh, in that space, and it you know it goes back to we we were doing banquet halls that changed colors uh all of the walls uh spotlights on all of the tables back in the 80s when color mixing mm-hmm. lights first uh, uh first became available and uh we never made any money mm-hmm. on the uh on doing the selling fixtures but oh my gosh did we sell a lot of lamps
0: it was yeah. good business
3: <laughs>
2: yeah
0: that reminds me of the, the first moving light the very light system uh which again that's that just means i'm old all right last story here um from actually from our website, uh, folks over at Clear One uh, have have unveiled Clear One University, and what makes this kind of unique for them is not only are they doing uh, instructor they're doing instructor led uh, live webinars, but as well in addition to that, uh, they're also doing uh, self paced ones as well. Uh, so what what's interesting about this though is they're really kind of diving into just like a lot of manufacturers diving into not just their products, which certainly they've got a couple that are 100% were uh, you know, focused on their specific uh, categories and their specific solutions, but they're also looking at overarching AV conferencing and you know, pro audio conferencing uh, and giving, up, uh, giving out certain uh, certifications for that. Jennifer, we'll start with you on this. What does this look like for you? And I and understand Jennifer's, you know, Jennifer's clients are dealers. So um, when you look at online education in today's world, right? Two years ago, COVID happened and we all went, went to our homes and we've been sp- sp- spent the last two years on some sort of video chat somewhere. Where does that leave online education when it comes to AV? Is it, are we burnt? Are do you get that sense from your dealers? Or is it is it still viable? And is it still something that, that folks should, should invest in?
1: I think that just as everyone has different learning styles, some people are visual learners, some people have to be in person. For me personally, I love the online training and I have a lot of dealers that love it too, especially the ones that are on demand. So if they're able to just pull this up at their own time and learn about the products. They're not just learning more, they're making more money. The more you know about these products, Mm. the more you can get creative with your jobs because of this education, more money you make. So I don't think that, uh, yeah, I, I've had heard people not wanting to have another Zoom meeting with me because if they see Zoom one more time, they're throwing their computer out the window. But there are people that also, I send them an education link and they say thank you. So <laughs> there's two sides to it for sure.
0: Jennifer, I, w- I want you to say what you just said about the more education they have, the more money they make for the people that are not paying attention in the back of the room.
1: Okay, the more education you have, the more money you make. Why? <laughs> So education means more money. If you know the products inside and out, you can talk about them, you can sell them. Sometimes I've listened in, I'm not gonna name names, but I've listened in on dealers trying to sell a product and they didn't even bring up the best features of the product, the features that make the product what it is. So I think if you have that education and you're able to spec it, if you don't know enough about the product, you don't even know it can be spec'd in a certain job. So I think that you know enough about the product, you can sell that product for that specific job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Brandy, I'm asking the same kind of question, but I also want to do a little bit curveball on you because Brandy's, you know, is an incredible marketer. I have learned over the years that education can also be Certainly, a, a useful marketing tool, especially if you do what Jennifer okay. says, which is learn more about it. That way, you can talk more about it. How can we, you know, encourage, you know, the, you know, whether that's virtual on demand or, or kind of, um, oh, the the instructor led in real time, but more yeah. webinar stuff. How can we <laughs> leverage that to still be useful and, and still be, uh, in, you know, impactful, but also you know get our our marketing message across?
2: Yeah you know, a a number of my clients uh, struggle with this, you know, should we do a webinar? Should we have an in-person event? You know, I think the answer to that is it depends, right? What kind of product are we talking about? If it's something that you could, you know, visually see in a, in a, you know, virtual, you know, environment and understand, you know, the nuances of that product and, and, you know, and, and grasp it great. But if it's something in person and, and frankly, you know, Display technology is kind of an in-person type of thing. You kind of have to see it. Uh, it doesn't <clears throat> look the same when you're in a virtual setting. Um, quite frankly, sometimes it you know it, it doesn't you know it doesn't behoove you to do it that way. So I guess you know the answer is it depends. But from a marketing standpoint, yeah, you absolutely have to find a way to convey your products and and their you know rich feature benefits. Um, I think, you know, a lot, you know, to to Jennifer's credit, sometimes, you know, you, you pitch something and you're not giving it the full breadth of what it can do and, and how it can be applied in certain, you know, solutions and applications. I always think, you know, with my clients, you know, you have to drill down to a couple of things, right? What's, what's the feature benefit and who's the target audience and what's the why, why do they need this product and, and how does it fit into that particular, particular uh, environment, you know, whether it be, you know, sector or, or, or application driven. Um, But yeah, we, we do, (laughs) sometimes we don't do a great job of marketing these products because we're not really drilling down to, to the, uh, to the why, you know, and I think that's a, that's a big thing. Um, Personally, you know, I, all my clients were on Zoom, you know, I mean, I, I rarely, uh, my clients are spread out all over the globe. I rarely have an in-person meeting, quite honestly. And so for me, Zoom has been a great, um, or, or any sort of, you know, WebEx, uh, <laughs> I don't wanna pick on Zoom, but any of these, uh, you know, virtual uh, meeting rooms are, are are a great benefit and, and, and still in my business, at least extremely viable. I hold meetings all day, every day, pretty much uh, on them. So, I mean, are they sick of seeing me? Probably. <laughs> And if I, (laughs) but that's okay. We're still getting lots of work done. That's the good news. Um, but there's also something to be said about being in person too. I mean, being back at Infocom minus the COVID, thank you very much. was amazing seeing everybody in person. Um, yeah, personally, did I come down with it? Absolutely. 100% came home with a little extra, <laughs> a little extra friend <laughs> that lingered for a while. But, um, you know, but being back in person, would I, would have I traded it for seeing everybody back in person? Absolutely not. It was spectacular getting to see all of our AB tweeps back in, you know, in, uh, in the conference uh, setting again.
0: All right. Mr. McGinnis, you you, uh, you you've been around where uh, you know the, the, the rep Jennifer would would come by you know your your company and drop off reams of paper uh, for information, um, or you'd have to go somewhere to you know to take a class. Um, to now you can do everything online. Talk for a second about the the kind of the future of online or education and AV in general, and kind of where you see it. Um,
3: in person is nice. And it, it has been really nice uh, particularly how strictly Canada was shut down to be able to be back circulating and I you know, have lunches with clients and, and uh, we're trying to have uh, a lunch and learn every week at the office so that a rep can come in, work on, uh, uh, on their personal relationship and not just with one or two people, but with the whole team uh, so that uh, a number can get in touch with them. But in terms of serious learning, um, online is it, uh, no disrespect to reps. Uh, you've got probably 20 brands, you've got 20,000 products. You can't be expected to know everything about everything that some quirky engineer is going to ask you, or, you know, some, uh, obsessed project manager. So, uh, when we want deep technical details, we, we want to be online for sure. Uh, uh, absolutely. And uh, it's efficient, it's on demand, uh, it you know, used to cost us a fortune to fly people halfway across a country or a continent uh, to get certified on, on a particular product. And now it's free. Uh, so no, this is, uh, this is the best of all worlds. Jennifer, you made an outstanding point about you know, the more you know, the, the better you'll do financially. This is, it's so critical for integrators as well, because my engineering team doesn't just need to know your product. They need to know your four competitors. Uh, because they need to be able to make a decision mm. uh, between one or the other and what's best for my clients. And then I have to steer them around that decision to the one that's actually going to make the most money for the company or have the least amount of service or the greatest reliability. So. Uh, yeah, I I love uh, I love the online learning. It's it's fantastic.
0: All right, very good. That'll be a good way to stop. Thank you all so much, Brandy Alvarado Miranda uh, from BAM Marketing uh, NPR. How do people connect with you?
3: You
2: can find me on Twitter at Av Brandy or um, at BamMarketingPR.com. All
0: right, very good, Mr. McGinnis. Uh, thank you, sir, from uh, up in Canada. Way. Uh, how do people connect with you? Or nationwide? Um, I. Um...
3: Uh, I'm uh, Brock at NationwideAV.com, but I'm mostly Brock McGinnis, uh, at Brock McGinnis on Twitter. I'm active there in a number of different AV communities, and uh, they are my peeps, and they're uh, part of my education process, because that's where I get an awful lot of information, not just on what a product does, but what its uh, best features and benefits.
0: Uh, Jennifer from from RT Sales, thank you so much. It was awesome to have you. Uh, How do people connect with you or RT Sales?
1: So, I'm the most active on LinkedIn, and that's Jennifer Goodyear. There's no A in that. I'm sadly not a tire mobile. And then you can find our website is rtsales.com.
0: All right, very good. And uh, Mitchell, uh, our incredible producer, will also put a link to the episode we did with Jennifer uh, and Erica Carroll and uh, the folks over at uh, Rosie Riveters. We did about a month or so ago. You can check out more information about that. Uh, For me, for tomorrow, do not follow me on the Twitters Uh, at this point. The Blues season is over. Uh, football hasn't started yet, so I am stuck watching baseball. A lot of it. I'm just going to put that out there. All right. Uh, but go by the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program, a host of others. Matt Scott uh, stops by the studios once a week, and he talks about residential. Don Mead stops and by and talks about marketing. Steve Greenblatt does his thing with control and automation, all sorts of stuff, plus – we have a brand, brand new one coming down the pipeline from uh, one of our editors, Mr. Taylor Moore. Uh, he is a brand new uh, member of the AV uh, community, and he's going to be interviewing other brand new members of the AV community. So I am very excited about that. So look out for that. I, I mentioned baseball, and, and I'm not a big fan of baseball. I like going to stadiums. I just – the sport itself, whatever. Uh, and, yes, I live in St. Louis, and it's the second most World Series, whatever. Um but we're having a Fuse event, uh, and Fuse is our, is our is Aviation's user group, uh, online community. You can you, can, you know com- c- uh, communicate and convince and, and, and share stories, but we're doing uh, local events as well. 100% stole this idea from Brandy uh, and the Women's uh, VIXA Council. Uh, so uh, first one is in Chicago. If you come hang out with me in Chicago, there's a chance you might go to a Cubs-Cards game the very next day with me. So just saying. If that's your jam, <laughs> you can come hang out with me. I'll buy you a hot dog and a beer at, at Wrigley Field. Uh, and and you get to experience see, I'm going to see the Cubs
2: tomorrow night. Well, How's there you that? go.
0: There you go. Um, it's a Dodgers-Cubs game, though. Sorry. Still, <laughs> that's, that's not a bad game, though. I mean, for those That's a good that, like, game, actually. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Wrigley. Never have. Um, and so it'll be kind of an interesting experience. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, But that's at Fuse. You can find out more at the website. So go by the website, avionation.tv. Sorry, you've never been to Wrigley? I've never been to Wrigley. Um, I've never never watched the Bears play at Soldier Field either. Um, I've seen them play in London at Tottenham Stadium, which was an experience in itself. And I've seen them play here in St. Louis uh, because once upon a time, St. Louis had a a football team. So, uh, yeah. Anyhow, uh avianation.tv, that's avianation.tv. Um, go by the website. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.